0: All right, now we are doing the Chumash for Monday. Continuing, of course, the, the high majority of this power portion, the Tarsha, is the story of the spies. So continuing, we're now, they've been sent, with all the issues of Sunday. They were given their instruction from Aisha, Moses, what they were supposed to do, and now they're going. So this is chapter 13 or up to verse 21. They went up and they scouted the land from the desert of Sin until Rehov at the entrance of Hamas. So Rosh explains that they went along the length of the borders of Israel, like the form of a certain Greek letter, Hagamah. They were on the southern border. They started at the eastern corner of that southern border, and they went across all the way to the western corner to the sea. And then they followed going directly north up the western border, meaning up by the Mediterranean. And this way they traversed the entire land. They went up into the southern part of the land, and came to Hebron, and he came to Hebron, and there were Achiman, Sheshai, and Talmai, the children of the giants. The city of Hebron was built seven years before the city of Solon in Mitzrayim. So we see here, interestingly, in the verse, is, in the previous verse, it says, they went up, they scouted, in our verse, they went up, and then it says, and he came to Hebron. So that means the spies didn't come to Hebron; one did. Rashi explained this one was Kale. That Kale broke off from the group and went to Hebron because Hebron he knew is where the patriarchs are buried, Maratho And he went to pray there that he should not be pulled in by the design of the spies. Meaning again, it was you have here twelve spies, ten. A group of ten, and then Kalev, and Yeshua, Joshua. Now, Yeshua, he didn't get pulled into the spies' plot because he was the closest student to Misha to Moses. He was so close to him, he had his special protection. Moses prayed for him that he shouldn't get pulled into the spies. But Kalev, he was self-made. He, he went himself to pray. Even though he knew what they were doing was wrong, but still, day after day to hear it and you get convinced after a while. So he prayed that he shouldn't get pulled in. And that's why later he was given by God this special gift. He was given the city of Hebron as part of his territory. And now, to express how special the land of Israel is, it says that Hebron was built seven years before Tzolon in Egypt. And Rashi questions it, because Hebron and so on were built by the same person, by Cham, the son of Noah. Hebron, Ham built for his younger son, Canaan, and so on, he built for his older son, Mitzrayim. So Rashi says it can't be that Ham would have built a city for his younger son before building a son for his older son. For sure he had to build Soan for his older son, Mitzrayim, before he built Hebron for his younger son, Canaan. So what does the verse mean by saying it was built seven years before? So it actually implies not that it was built seven years before, but it's seven times better. So it doesn't mean before Tzoyan in terms of chronology, but before Tzoyan in terms of quality. And one way of understanding it was in terms of the fruit that grew in Hebron was seven times better viewed as better than that of so on. And the special quality of the fruit of Hebron was really expressing its spiritual special quality. So Rash explains, why are we going into this? Like, Why do we care about this history of the, the cities? Because it's shown how special Israel is. Because in Israel, Hebron was considered the lowest of the cities. That's why it was set aside as cemetery land. And in Egypt, Hebron was considered the best of the cities. It was uh, considered the place of royalty. And officially, Egypt in those days was considered the most beautiful land. So we have Egypt that was considered such a beautiful land, within which this most beautiful city, because it was set aside for the kings was so on, and Hebron, the city of the cemeteries of Israel, is seven times better. They came into the valley of Eshkol, and from there they cut off a branch and one cluster of grapes, they carried it between two on a pole, and they took some the pomegranates and some figs. So here, of course, is a famous picture we view of the spies with the poles with a cluster of grapes that comes from here. So it says they took a branch. So Rashi explains the branch of a grapevine that was a cluster of grapes hanging from it, and they carried it between two and a pole. So why do they say they carried it between two and a pole? Rashi says, obviously, if it's on a pole, we're gonna have two people carrying the pole. But Rashi says the two actually first was two poles. So we have one cluster of grapes, so we have two poles for So we have eight people carrying this cluster of grapes on these two poles. Now, of course, the question then would be, well, that you've to see mathematically, too, because you have two poles and you have a person on either end, you would have four people carrying the cluster, not eight, and there are various ways of explaining that. One one answer, there's many different answers. One answer is that when I said two, it really means two different types of support. So you had two poles going, let's okay. You have two poles going uh, parallel, and then you have another two poles, they're actually crossing them. You actually had four poles to support this very heavy cluster of grapes. And if you have four poles, you need eight people. So that's eight of the spies. And then you have one that's carrying home a fig and one that's carrying home a pomegranate. And that's how all ten spies were so burdened by this stupendous truth of Israel. But of course there were twelve sides, so how come only ten are carrying? Because two of them, the and refused to carry anything because they understood that even though seemingly these fruits are showing the praise of Israel, but the whole purpose was to twist it in the Jews' eyes and to say, Look how look how we never saw fruit like this. We never saw a land like this. And what they were taking was this enormous size, as Rashi says, because we can see how much could a person carry. Because later the Jews, to commemorate this miraculous splitting of the Jordan, of the Yardane, they took 12 stones from the riverbed and set them up in the city of Gilgal. And the weight, each one weighed 40 saw. So one person, therefore, we see, can carry something of 40 sa. But here they were carrying it together. And our rabbis say that what you can carry yourself is only a third of what you can carry together. So we have 40 saw times 80 is 320, but it really could be three times that because you're only carry a third yourself. We're talking about 960 saw. We have this huge amount of this one cluster of grapes. That place they call the Valley of Eshkol because of the events of the cluster that the just cut from there, and Escol means a cluster. So they called it the Valley of Eshkol because this is the spot where they took this cluster. They returned from spying the land at the end of 40 days. And Rashi says, wait a minute, it had to take way more than 40 days. The land was 400 by 400 A and is about 2.2 miles. And an average person can travel 10 parcels a day. So it would take 40 days to go from east to west. They went from east to west, they went from south to north, they had to come back. How many of them have to take way more than forty days? Based based on that calculation, it should have taken, let's say, one hundred sixty days, or maybe they have come back diagonally for one hundred twenty days. But at least one hundred twenty days. It's not one hundred sixty days. How would they do it in forty? But Hashem knew that in the end, they're going to be sentenced to a year for each day. So in Hashem's tremendous kindness to the Jewish people, he made the road faster. He showed in the distance. So they would not be in the desert more than these 40 days, 40 years. 40 days or 40 years. They went and came to Moses and Aaron and to the entire congregation of the Jewish people. They came to the desert of Paran and Kadesh and they brought word back to them and to the entire congregation and they showed them the fruit of the land. So Rashi says this is an, a necessary word. They went and they came. You just say, and they came. Or you say, they went. The so Rashi says it to show that just like when they went, when they left, so too was their returning. Meaning we know they returned with a whole plot, a whole strategy to convince the Jews not to go to Israel. The Rashi is saying, and they went and they came. The same way they came back with that strategy, they went with that strategy. And they brought word back, Rashi clarifies, to Moses and Aaron. So they started by saying very nice things. They recounted to, to him, and they said, we came into the land in which he sent us, The I talking to Moses, so everyone's hearing it, and indeed it flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. So why do they start by saying beautiful words, milk and honey, fruit? So Rashi says a lie has to have some truth in it. Otherwise it's not gonna stand. Like everyone see it's just through and through nothing. So they start off with good. Wine well, with milk and honey, got amazing fruits. Oh, now you believe me good. Now I can start with the lion. But the nation is mighty. Those who inhabit the land and the cities are greatly fortified to for the utmost. And we also saw the offspring of the giant over there. So it's very fortified, which Rosh explains is tremendous strength, circular fortresses. Now this is actually very interesting. Because earlier, in yesterday's portion, one of the signs Moses gave them to see if it was a good land or not was are the cities fortified or open? Because if they're fortified, it means the people are weak. They need fortified cities. If they're open cities, it means people are strong. Here they're saying, no, 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 this is a double problem. The cities are fortified, but you know the people are also really strong. Well, why do they have fortified cities? I don't know, maybe they inherited them from their parents or something. They don't need them. So we've got double problems. Enormously strong people, giants. We saw the children of the giants there, which some say is just part of their lie because, remember, the giants were in Hebron and only Koei went to Hebron. But they're already claiming they saw the giants. Continuing, Amalek dwells in the southern part of the land. The Chitzi and the Yavusi and the Amori dwell in the mountain and the Kenani dwell by the sea next to the Ardang. The question is, why do they mention Amalek? Amalek doesn't even live in Israel. Amalek um, was not one of the seven nations that lived in Israel, but he was to the south of Israel. Why is he mention it all? Well, because the Jews already had problems with Amalek. They already had been to war with them. So just mentioning them, Amalek is going to threaten them. And Rashi clarifies this is a word we have a few times in this poem, Mishab, al-yad haYarden. Yad literally means a hand, but it refers next to. that, like close at hand, which is, in other words, next to. Right next to the yardin. So you're going to carry across the yardin. So when the people heard this, it was tremendous emotion. Oh my gosh, they got so scared. Now again, if you remember from yesterday's portion, this whole sending of the spies from the respect of the spies and from the respect of the Jewish people was really a devious attempt to not go to Israel. So the people were edgy to start with. And spies were playing on this because again, they were, you know, going along the same lines. Again, there are many ways of understanding this and you could go to the highest level of Hasidus that despised were very holy people, but wrong, who thought, what, the Jews are going to go to Israel? They're going to become peasants? They're going to become farmers? They're going to become so sinful? Let's see, in the desert, they're going to be holy, godly people that learn Torah all day and night. Holy and godly, but not what God wants. God wants us in a human world, doing physical labor, and yet you become a more peasant-like, but you serve God through the physical, which is what God wants. You could even go on that high a level, no, they were wrong, because God wanted them to go to Israel. The people panicked right away. And then the verse says, the next verse, Kali silence the people hear about Moses. And he said, we can surely go up to the land and we shall possess it, for we are surely able to overcome it. So Kali managed to silence all of them. And he said, here we have to say about Moses. He said, oh, is this the only thing the son of Amram did to us? Everyone's was like, oh, wow. Yeah, let's get some more gossip. Let's get some more slander. So they all quieted down. And then he said, oh, he split the sea for us. He brought them on for us. He brought this love for us. Like, hello. Every level of fear you have, He's already taking care of it. He's already shown us His abilities and the abilities of God to care on every level for us. He can do this too. We can surely go up. It goes to the heavens. If He told us to go to the heavens, we will build ladders and get there. Whatever He says, we will be able to do. We so has to see silence, like a. Now, it's interesting, the Rebbe explains, the explains that, from references reference to what I said earlier, like, where's Yosher in all this? Meaning, we have 12 sides. We know the 10 started off with a certain intent and were continuing that road. And we know Joshua, Yosher, and Kalev were the ones that were staying loyal to God, to Moses, and were wanting the Jews to go to Israel, which, of course, is why they wouldn't take the fruit. So here, Kalev, with tremendous valor, is the whole Jewish people, and we hear we have 10 spies fighting him. Where's Joshua? How could he going to do it? So the answer is because it's really close. And if three million people so upset. he would have been he could have tried, probably did, but like, he wouldn't been able to reach another. But then not color? But the answer is that color had an advantage Joshua didn't have. Remember, we said that Joshua, Yeshua, he was protected from the spies' designs because of Moses' protection, because Moses prayed for him, because of his tremendous, tremendous connection to Moses, which was amazing. But Kalev didn't have that extra advantage that Joshua had. So, what did Kalev do? He went to New Zealand. He went to Masaphil. He went to the cave of the patriarchs, and he prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed that God should protect him. So, Kalev was, if you will, a self made man. He had his own merit, and that made him so, so strong. When someone, someone achieves by their own efforts, they're far stronger than someone who somehow just you know, arrived at the top of the ladder, was born there, jumped there, with someone else's merits. And that's why Khalid uniquely had the ability to truly quiet three million people. And he really calmed them down. But then the spies turned it up again. But the men who went up with him said, We are not able to go up against the nation, for they are more powerful than we. Rashi says in the Hebrew, They are more powerful than us if you change the the Nikut, the way of the vowels, it's as if they're saying, no Just take the U and make it an O, oh, which means as if they're saying it's more powerful than God. In other words, okay, God, yeah, he managed to conquer the Jews, the Egyptians. That was one nation. But there's so many nations in in, in Israel. We think of it as the seven nations, but there were far more because as every king of the whole world at that time wanted to have a little piece of land of Israel. It was so special to all of them. He can't conquer all of these nations. God can do it. God through it. They spread splendor about, about the land that they had scattered to the Jewish people, saying, the land through which we have passed to scout it is a land which consumes its inhabitants. And every one of the people we saw in it are men of dimension, I meaning men of great proportions. So what do they mean, to consume its inhabitants? Because the Everywhere we went, people were barren dead. Now, that actually was true, but it was part of God's kindness. So, this despite 12 people walking around the land and obviously looking quite different than the natives, oh, they would have been killed, they would have been beaten, they would have been harmed. So, God made the people busy with some sickness that came. So, everyone was busy taking care of the dead. They didn't pay attention to these strange men that were wandering around their land. So God did it as a kindness, and they twisted it and used it as another slap against him. So, that's men of dimension. It means of great size. It's like a person who has to be measured. Like, oh yes, the giant who had to be measured. There we saw the giants, the sons of the giants, of the Nephilim. And we were like grasshoppers in our eyes, and so we appeared in their eyes. So giants, these were not just regular giants, like very tall giants, these were beyond that because these were actually descendants of what we call the fallen angels. In the times of Enosh, there were angels that were saying like, oh, like, why is man so messed up? Why is he so evil? And God said, really? Check it out. It's not so simple. So there were angels that fell to become humanized and actually became quite, quite wicked and they had children, you know, fathered children through the human women. And their children were not just giants, we understand giants, but such a giant, as Rashi says, a is from the word shema, anikim the kumassam. They make the sun a necklace, a anikim, to make it like an, a necklace by their height, as if when they stand, it's as if they're wearing the sun, as if, obviously it's not literal, but it's if like their heads are penetrating the heavens beyond the sun so to speak, as if the sun is a necklace around their throat. It's interesting. They have an interesting statement here. They say, we were like grasshoppers in our eyes until we appeared in their eyes. Which is a very deep point here. We felt so small. and Because we felt so small. That's what everyone thought also. As Rashi says, why are we saying we were like grasshoppers in their eyes? Because we heard them say, wow, there's ants in the vineyards that look like people, so to speak, that was how small we were compared to them. The entire community arose and raised their voices, and the people wept that night. Everyone, as the son Hedges did this as well. They railed against Moses and Aaron, all of the Jewish people, and the entire congregation said to them, Would we have died in the land of Egypt, or in this desert? Would that we had died. In other words, better, would that we have died. Rather, that's what we would prefer, if only. Why does God bring us to this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and infants will be as spoils. Is it not better for us to return to Egypt? said to each other. Let us appoint a head and we'll return to Egypt. So Oomphlet explains this means Let's appoint a king over us. You know, let's, let's get a leader together and go back. And our rabbi says that this head, he doesn't say king, it says head because it actually implies like a supreme being, like an idol. Like well let's let's when we're were God's leading us? No, we don't want there. Let's let's go back to idolatry and run away. Back to the paths of Egypt. Those are fell on their faces were the entire gathering of the congregation of the Jewish people. Joshua, Yeshua, the son of Nun and Kola, the son of Yephuna, among those who scouted the land tore their clothes in grief. They said to the entire congregation of the Jewish people, the land through which we have passed the scouted. That land is very, very good.